follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Thank you for choosing to be with us today. And gentlemen, how are you this evening? Doing good. Uh, doing better than Marcus Stunt's chest. <laughs> All right. We have a very interesting show lined up for you tonight, but we got to get our shout outs out of the way first. First shout-out is to our affiliate, Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarXElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast, no spaces. Get 10% off your order. I'm wearing one of their shirts right now, and it's so comfortable, you almost forget you're wearing a shirt. I'm, I'm looking forward, and I know they usually have a good Black Friday sale, so maybe that's when I'll finally get my His House shirt. What do you think, Matt? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted for a moment. Um, yeah, I there's actually several shirts that I want to get from them, uh, but some of them are out of stock. So, uh, like the Waffle House one, I'm still still looking for that one, but uh, Medium has been out on the website for a while. It's like, I guess, one of their most popular designs. But uh, As well it should be. <clears throat> yeah, well I have it- bad luck with sizes. When I was... When I was fat, I could never get anything in 2XL. Now that I'm not fat, I can't find anything in large. It's like the bane of my existence. <coughs> well, I, I am both big and a little bit fat, and the 2XL is what I've got to go for, too. <laughs> oh, I find man. plenty of that now that I can't wear it, but, you know, that large that used to drive me insane can't find that anymore. It's always what you're looking for. Yeah, and then also... We have a shout-out coming up for someone who's going to be the subject of some upcoming episodes. Matt, who would that be? That would be to Epico Cologne. Uh, sadly, Epico only has a limited number of action figures, <laughs> but hopefully they make more in the future. We're pulling for them. Wait, Matt, did you say action figures? I did say action figures. They're action Matt. figures. They are not dolls. They are action Matt. figures or collectibles. Matt, that sounds like a segue. It is a segue. <laughs> Ladies uh, and gentlemen. Of... Oh. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we want to make our introductions. Here we have with us tonight none other than the uh, Rhode Island Ice-Z. We have the one, the only, sometimes known as Zach Malibu, but it is Mr. Man who has his name dropped a lot by Matt on this podcast. Mr. Christy Petrillo. Chris, thank you for being with us tonight. It is my pleasure, and uh, you know, just like you guys are saying, it's from Figures Toy Company, not Dolls Toy Company. <laughs> so it is figures, as far as we take it. Unless you're Jim Butcher and he calls everything figures, but I can't do anything about that. He's from Missouri. So, uh, gentlemen, 
We're going to be talking about action figures tonight, and really, um, if you've been listening before, you know Matt and Brad are a little... (coughs) Pardon me. It's fall in Kentucky, and my sinuses are detonating. Uh, You know they're a little more into the figure scene than I am, so they're going to be driving a little bit more tonight. So, uh, Brad, why don't you get us started? Well, so we decided we were going to do a show on action figures, and... In this case, I think I can I think I can say this accurately, but we decided to bring on Chris because he would be a um expert in the subject because why don't you um why don't you pimp your company for the <laughs> the kind audience? Yeah, tell us all about your tell us about your wares. I'll just I'll just let my ego run amok for about ninety seconds here. Um so yeah, so if you were to check out figurestoycompany.com or wrestlingsuperstore.com, those two sites are from the company that I have worked for for going on 20 years this December. I am the chief marketing officer. Uh, as far as linked to the world of wrestling, we are licensed by Ring of Honor to produce the action figures for everybody on their roster. We've been doing that for several years, starting way back when Kevin Steen was still under contract, all the way up to making the stars of the current day, like Rouge and the members of Villain Enterprises. Uh, I am also responsible for relaunching our Legends of Professional Wrestling line and creating the Rising Stars of Wrestling line. Those lines are done in-house by making deals with some of the top talent from the past and present that are out on the scene. So you'll see current stars in stock like Taya Valkyrie, Sammy Callahan, Juventud Guerrera, the franchise Shane Douglas, and be on the lookout for future releases like Flying Brian Pillman Jr., All Ego Ethan Page, uh, The Sandman from ECW, Joey Janela, who's now in AEW, a lot of stuff coming down the pike from the Rising Stars and Legends lines, and you can even find a lot of non-wrestling merchandise at Figures Toy Company because we are licensed by Warner Brothers to produce retro-style figures for DC Comics. We work closely with Kiss on their retro collectibles. The Three Stooges, shout out to Curly, it's his birthday today. And uh, a whole lot more. So check out those sites. Follow us on social media. I'll drop the lines at the end of the program where you can look us up on that as we get further into the figure and wrestling discussion. I will say um, I'm always mesmerized by the DC figures because they look outstanding. Thank you, sir. I think uh, figures, uh, the figures uh, line, because the reason I like them, they look so much just like the old, um, what is it, the Mego brand? Yeah. yeah. Migo, yeah. They look just and like... I, I would put them against the ones that... Because the original creator of Migo decided to relaunch them as like a Target exclusive. And uh, I'm not a fan. Um, I did get the Muhammad Ali one, but uh, some of them just... I don't know. I mean, you know, it, you do have to have the... The aesthetic has to have a certain appeal to you. Um, you know, same goes for ours. But I just feel that the Migo ones, it's... Um, I wouldn't call it a cash grab per se. Um, I just feel that our design team is really knocking it out of the park. If you look at some of the designs we've done lately, I just think it's blowing these uh, Target Migo releases out of the water. I have to say with the Migos, my favorite thing about Migo is uh, the Twisted Migo Theater from Toy Fair back in oh, the day. Oh, from Toy Fair. Yes. That was the impetus for Robot Chicken was that uh, Twisted yep. Toy Fair theater. I just remember um, they go to the Smurf Village and Spider-Man's there and he says, like, so you're like the only girl Smurf, huh? And she's like, yeah, and for 20 bucks, I can be your girl, too. And he's yeah. like, <laughs> pause, like, so 20 bucks, huh? 
There's that one, and there's the one where um, Spider-Man intercepts the uh, acceptance letter for Hogwarts. So it's how like all the heroes go to Hogwarts instead of Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. And and it's basically like a, a joke about how the Hulk teabagged Spider-Man. <laughs> and uh, Spider-Man's like, oh, that's what you know something flavored bean tastes like. And he's like, Hulk's like, what about Hulk flavored bean? And the next panel, Spider-Man going like, what the f- Oh, no, those are, fair. I'm actually I'm actually friendly with one of the writers, uh, Scott Beatty, who wrote a lot for DC. He did a lot of Batgirl and uh, Batman stories. Was actually responsible for some of those, and uh, we became friends through the years as I've done work at uh, FTC. I didn't know they did they did um, Target Migos. Are they just are they just random like so Muhammad Ali? Do they have some of like the Marvels redone? Um, no, it's basically been like a lot of pop culture characters. They've done some DC ones, um, in like the 14 inch style. And, uh, they actually, they did a couple of kiss dolls, um, or figures, should I say? Um, but they did like the facts of life, but they only did 2d and they did cheers, but they only did norm. Like, uh, they did kind of like all like these scattered releases of like certain characters from certain shows. And there's a limit. Uh, each one has a limited number sticker, and I think there's only 10,000 of each one. Oh, um, but I get, stuff. I, I get the Muhammad Ali on clearance for like four bucks. So they're, they're taking like the Funko Pop strategy that doesn't seem to work. Yeah, exactly. How everybody thinks that the Funko Pops are going to be worth something and it's just going to be like a Beanie Babies type of cash grab. Yeah. Uh, they might be worth something if they put out a limited number, but they put out literally like a thousand every month. So it depends on which ones they retire because I do have some that do believe it or not the sharknado one is worth about 60 bucks nowadays so know, some of them value. yeah some of them do make money like uh, i have a friend who um who basically uh, he doesn't collect them he basically sells them he finds them and then he'll sell them like on ebay or to collectors and some of that stuff i guess the retired stuff it can go for like 200 bucks even more but that's it's like the rarity like most of the time it's like you're he might buy something for like ten bucks and then sell it for like fifteen twenty, but that's about it. I was gonna say the number of stores I've walked into and booths I've walked by at comic conventions that are stacked damn near to the ceilings with Funko Pops lead me to believe it's like, you know, guys, we're, we're you're not you really shouldn't be banking on this rarity thing. But well, I think you, I think you. The, I think what I've seen, especially lately, is. I think that bubble's kind of bursting because I think like the Fortnite and the Game of Thrones lines were total bombs because usually when I go places, it's 90% that crap with like a couple other things mixed in. I think the Walking Dead stuff's kind of overstated its welcome because I see a lot of that too. Even some of the Marvel ones, they've they've had some of the Marvel ones popping up at like uh, Burlington and TJ Maxx stores for like $3.99 each. That's because... I mean, you mean how you many... don't want like six Daenerys Targaryen Funko Pops everywhere? Six different say... versions? Yeah, I was going to say, how many Deadpools can you possibly get before it's just, you know, old? Let's not push that line of thought, because I'm afraid they'll try and find out. So I kind of wanted to I kind of wanted to start off before we kind of get into some of Chris's favorite toys. So, Chris, what do you think? um what do you think makes like a good action figure? That's actually kind of a loaded question. Cause you know, if I'm a kid, then I would want the figure to just be, you know, as closely resembling the character or the person as possible, but I'd want the cool weapons to use, you know? So 
what I mean is like when I was a kid, I collected Masters of the Universe and G.I. Joe. And the coolest thing for me was, you know, all the different weapons and, you know, what, you know, this guy's got a sword, this guy's got a shield, this guy's got a laser gun, just kind of having like those accessories to lend to my creativity and allow me to do a little bit more than just, you know, having fist fights with characters and stuff like that. Nowadays, through older eyes, um, it's definitely about the design. Um, that's not to say that I don't play with them, because with a four-year-old son, I'm playing figures pretty much every day of my life these days. Um, you know, if it was no son involved, I'd probably be playing every other day of my life. But um, nowadays, it's more about the the design, the look. It's it's more of like looking at it as like a display piece. But still, I think that you know it's got to have a good design. I think it's going to have the right accessories, the right amount of accessories uh, for either posing or playing. Just, I like them to be, you know, basically if I want to leave them on a shelf, like I want them to be like capturing people's attention. You know, I want, you know, even if it's one that I've collected, if it's one that I've made at work, I want someone to be like, Whoa, like what's that? Like I want all eyes to be on that. I want it to be front and center. And I think that just, having that balance of the right parts and the right likeness and a good design team behind it. I think that's what goes into it. So what's your feeling on articulation? Do you, do you prefer a lot of articulation or does it, does, is it dependent or is it not like as important to you? It's not really important to me as far as the articulation. I mean, I, you know, I do want to have some type of modern articulation. It's actually a point of contention with our wrestling figures that our wrestling figures are more similar to the uh, WWE Jax figures from like 2003 up through 2010. So like the WWE classic superstars or the ruthless aggression era figures, our figures are modeled on that. And the reason being is because when WWE did the classic superstars, there were so many characters made in there that Jax had to reach deals with individually. It's something that I believe Mattel can do, but doesn't necessarily do. And it's a lot of guys that you know WWE is not going to rush to go out and license again for Mattel, nor do I think that they would sell well at retail, because Jax, even though they were at retail, they also had a stronger online presence. Um, I mean, Mattel has basically got ringside collectibles and Amazon, but Mattel kind of floods retail because they're a bigger company than Jax ever was with Jax having a more limited amount to go with. I think that's why they were able to do tank Abbott and Zeus and one man gang and guys like that. And I don't think we'll ever see those guys from Mattel. So making them in that vein with our lines, it's almost like a continuation because I think that WWE Jax is going to be the most Maybe not the most as far as an amount, but the most amount of different characters, the most variety of characters you'll ever see. So, you know, we'll get fans saying, why don't you make them like the Mattel elites? The Mattel elites are like the best figures ever, man. Like they're not in scale. And Rey Mysterio was the same size as The Undertaker, which is just a bunch of hyperbole. And it's also kind of like this mob mentality by collectors. Like all of a sudden, everybody's worried about scale. It's like, look, when I was a kid. He-Man and Skeletor and Beast-Man were like all the same size, and I had no problem with that. And all my G.I. Joes were three and three-fourths inches, and I had no problem with that. Where along the lines did we get to the point where it's like, oh, man, Rey Mysterio is only half an inch smaller than The Undertaker, when in real life he's like three feet smaller than The Undertaker? Like, how dare you? So I don't know where we kind of got off on that in you know the collector's world. But as long as you have the right amount of playability, if you can move your shoulders, bend your elbows, bend your knees, I don't need to have 
55 hip and knee joints just so you can bend the guy that one way when Ken Shamrock had him twisted up at an ankle lock. Like, I think that's a little bit excessive. Does it look cool? Yeah, sure. Should every figure have it? No, because the more you get into that, the more it's changing the design, the more work it is for the factory. And then you're only going to increase your cost, which you always want to try to keep that level to enhance the availability and collectability of it all. I just want to take a moment to say mark out moment for Ken Shamrock reference. I'm done. <laughs> Hey, he just wrestled um, uh, Moose. Moose. Yeah, yep. uh, I'd seen he just come back. I hadn't been, I haven't been able to watch a whole lot here recently, so I haven't tracked it down yet. But just, I just wanted to tell you I appreciated that. Absolutely, I'm actually looking at the uh, WWE Ken Shamrock figure on my living room table right now because he was being used by Little Zach earlier tonight. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So let's let's um let's go with your personal. What is your personal? favorite line of wrestling toys my personal favorite line is the wwe hasbro line i love the hasbros i had almost every single hasbro i could actually tell you like the order in which i got almost like the first two full series um you know my grandmother back when she was alive she would get me anything i wanted go to the toy stores every weekend ordering from the old JCPenney Christmas catalog, um, the LJNs that were on the back page of the PWI magazines back in the day. So when Hasbro came out, I got the ring from the uh, JCPenney Christmas catalog that year, and it was a bundle, and it came with Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. So those are the first two I had. And as soon as I opened that thing up, it was like nonstop. And because it was Christmas time, you know, it was a couple of weeks until I got any additional figures. So the first four figures I got were Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake, Macho Man, and Ravishing Rick Rude. And I had every type of combination matched. You could add tag team match, who turned good, who turned bad. I used the hell out of my Hasbro figures. And as time went on, collected pretty much the whole set. Although uh, there was one folly in collecting the Hasbro set, and the hardcore collectors will understand what I'm saying here. There was a store here in Rhode Island, a local department store called Stewart's and Hasbro is local. So a lot of local stores got just as much stock on Hasbro toys as like a bigger chain department store would. And that goes for the WWF figures at the time. So at the time there were two people that I needed that were out and I just you know, either hadn't seen them or hadn't gotten a chance to buy them. And it was Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Dusty Rhodes. And I was out with my aunt, my little cousins at the store one night and boom, there's the two figures. They were $4.99 each, I think, at the time. $5 for a Hasbro. And I'm like, oh, I need both of these. And my aunt's like, all right. She's like, I got to get you something. I'll get your cousin something, but I'm only getting you one. So pick which one you want. And I put the Dusty Rhodes back Aww. and got the Hacksaw Jim Duggan Hasbro. And I did not wind up getting a Dusty until I began working at Figures Toy Company years later. Because Figures Toy Company got into the wrestling side of the business and the collector's world because what my boss used to do was run a mail order catalog toy company, you know, toy catalog company. So he'd advertise in the wrestling mags and send out flyers and stuff like that. This is all before eBay, you know, took over the world. And he got closeout stock from Hasbro, which included a surplus of mint on card WWF Hasbro figures. So, once he realized that wrestling was getting big, he kind of parlayed that, you know, happenstance into 
making a whole wrestling side of his company. And it was due in part to the fact that he realized that his Hasbro's were the hottest selling thing that he had in the catalog. So it was, uh, a Hasbro Yokozuna that my friend ordered that I took him to pick up that led to me meeting my boss, talking to him a little bit and being hired 20 years ago. So not only is Hasbro my favorite wrestling toy line, but it's actually played a part in the formation of the wrestling side of figures, toy company and my own personal career there. That's cool. Hey, Chris. Yes. I actually just mentioned on uh, like one of the two podcasts ago uh, how there was an older podcast. It's probably like two years old at this point, but I listened to it not that long ago where you were on um, the Fully Posable podcast and you broke down, you guys broke down every single uh, figure in the Hasbro line. And it was uh, was like a two hour podcast, I think. And it was awesome. That was the one with uh, with Brian Breaker as well, right? Yes. Yep. He, yep. he was a guest star on that one as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brian Breaker's a good dude. He was in the uh, New Japan Tag League a couple of years ago, trained by Harley Race. Awesome, awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he? Uh, he was in there with, it was with uh, Harley's son, right? That was his tag partner, I think? Uh, Leland Race. I don't believe that's yeah. a biological son. I think it's just uh, uh, using K-Fade. the gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, in my opinion, the... Um, the Hasbro line is probably, it's not that, like, I wouldn't call it from any perspective the best line, but I think it is the, it is the line I like the best, and it has the most charm to it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I just, there's something about those figures, like, the look of those figures, the colors used, the nostalgia of them. I just think, like, they really hold up. I mean, they you know, I got. They their era really well. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That like those are late eighties, early nineties figures because if you look at everything else that was big at the time, like Ninja Turtles and all the like, you know, the fly by night cartoons that came out, like uh Street Sharks and stuff like that, like they were all kind of in that little <laughs> compact size. Wow, that's the second time Street Sharks has come up on this podcast in like a two month period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the quality content we bring to you here is is Street Sharks references. I was gonna mention biker mice from Mars. That would have yeah, been the that, that was as one. well. Yeah. <laughs> we, we actually saw this on L. Ray uh, lately, got, like on Saturday mornings. It goes from like Lucha Underground to Biker Mice from Mars. It did. Our 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 discussion on that got so far as it got into uh, tattooed teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills or something like that. I got remember. into Mummies Alive, I believe. It wow! Did. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we even mentioned uh, Cowboys of Moo Mesa. Yes, yes, we did. Yep. We. Did we, we talk? I don't think when we talked about cartoons. I don't think we did. We talk about Pirates of Dark Water because that was a really like good. Wow! Show. No, we didn't. Okay. Okay. All right, Professor. We're gonna have to go back to the well. Just get yourself ready. All right. <laughs> right. So I, I'll throw one out there. The, the the last real wrestling line like I had everything of was the um the Toy Biz WCW figures. That was a very underrated line. I mean, some of the figures were a little goofy, like the grip and flips. But, I mean, there were some great figures in there. There was the Sting that came with the dumpster. Um, they made the Perry Saturn in, like, the corset when he was kind of doing that Marilyn Manson thing after he lost the Loser Wears a Dress match to Jericho. Um, really the, underrated uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan figure. There was... Uh, are you talking about the one that has, the uh, like, the red shirt with the white and black pants? No, it was, it was like his... He had, like, the black shirt, and he had, like, the I think, like, the... You know the the black 
beard and all that stuff. I think it was from the first line. The one in the first line, if I'm remembering correctly, was not the greatest figure. There, but there was one that came later on um, that was pretty good. But um, the Vampiro figure towards the end that was in the uh, the tattoos and T-shirt set, the TNT set um, that wound up at a lot of KB stores. I think it was like three ninety nine on closeout when WCW started going under. That was a great figure, very underrated figure. And uh, uh, Shane Douglas, who is in our Legends line, he was part of a set called WCW Unleashed. It was like the last set that they released. And he actually didn't even see it until years later. He had no idea it actually came out. He just remembered like being a part of the design and the conceptualization of the line. But he didn't even know until years after the fact that they actually released a figure of him. Because that's one of the more rare figures from the WCW line. How's it got to suck to... You're like, yeah, they finally made a figure of me, I think. Well, no, Maybe. he had a, he had a, he had an, I think he had one in that when they were doing those god awful ECW figures. He was in I the first he, wave. Yeah, those were terrible. Oh, okay. those, those were. Yeah, I. But you know, what? I love ECW, so I had every single one of them. Nice. Was it? Was it? But there's like a uh, there's a video that? testimonial out there of Shane uh, opening his figures toy company legends figure and saying that it is the best of the Shane Douglas figures. So cheap plug from Shane on there. Um, Chris, how big did you mark out over that? Let's be honest for a second. How how big did that hit you? Well, let's be honest. Don't forget, I'm the guy that's making these deals, so I'm the guy that yeah. gets to go after these people. <laughs> yeah, I but, know. Um, but just that moment of of that endorsement. That I mean, just dealing with him. I mean, you know, they always say you never want to meet your heroes, and dealing with him. Uh, you know, being on his podcast, I've actually, I don't know if I told the story the last time I was on, but the, uh, the Dallas WrestleMania trip with the observer people led to the most randomest dinner I think I've ever had in my life because a friend of mine was down there and we happened to be at the same hotel and we crossed paths in the lobby. And this is right after I had signed the deal with ring of honor. So ring of honor invited me up to their shows and my friend asked if he could come along and I said, yeah, let me just make sure contact my friend at ROH. Yeah, not a problem. Just come to this door. We'll let you in. And my friend says, hold on. I got to get my friend, Kevin. He's going to come too. And I'm like, oh man, like, I don't want to take a million people upstairs. Well, Kevin was Kevin Sullivan. So I'm like, what? okay, like we can, yeah. we can take Kevin Sullivan up to he didn't see up. fit to drop that little nugget of information on you at any point. Well, see, my friend that was there, uh, my friend Andy, um, shout out to Andy Wong. His family owns a restaurant outside of Boston called Kowloon. It is one of the most famous restaurants in the East Coast. It's where all these celebrities and the athletes go when they're in town for Boston, including the wrestlers. So he's in good with a lot of people. Um, he was actually in Dallas with a uh, sports radio uh, disc jockey from Boston. So they were both down there. But Kevin Sullivan's a Boston guy. And, you know, to talk about like someone with wrestling to me, it's, you know, he doesn't think about that. It's not like he's talking to an outsider, like, oh, hold on, let me get Kevin Sullivan. Like to him, he's just saying Kevin, because I'm not going to, you know, geek out or mark out over it. Um, even though Kevin Sullivan's like completely cool. So we go upstairs to go to Ring of Honor and Shane Douglas is sitting in a lobby chair and sees Sullivan and gets up, shakes his hand, comes over. And then I introduce myself as the guy who had just signed him for his figure deal. And he shakes my hand and he's talking to me. And the next thing you know, our little caravan includes Shane Douglas going over to Ring of Honor. So we go over to Ring of Honor and I walk in with all these veteran talents and we're standing around and Kevin Sullivan gets hungry and we duck out of the show early and we 
make our way downstairs and here comes road warrior animal and he stops and he's shaking hands with everybody and now he adds himself to this veteran wrestler conga line that i've got going on and we wind up at the restaurant in the hotel and it's myself my friend andy kevin sullivan shane douglas road warrior animal and after giving his cats to his girlfriend to take back to the room teddy hart you there is a what you didn't let mr money come to dinner he was not allowed in the restaurant because they tried to get him into the restaurant (laughs) but that that is a violation of uh the health code um so they did not let him go in there but yeah i got to actually have dinner with shane after i had signed him for the action figure deal and it was just a really cool situation a really cool scenario and i don't think it could ever be replicated because that was like the randomest funniest and actually really informative dinner that that i've had with any talent just as like a a weird tangent is teddy hart other than pco the weirdest like resurgent of like resurgence of a wrestler in the last couple years you know i think that it's just that he's kind of you know for the most part cleaned up his act i mean really haven't heard anything about him in the last couple of years. I mean, I think it was what, like two or three years ago where some girl was like accusing him of something and nothing ever came of it. Um, he, uh, he's a hell of a talent. And the fact that he's pushing 40 now and can still go like that. I mean, he's pretty much a franchise player from out for MLW, but I think it's also kind of telling that the big leagues really don't touch him. So I don't know if there's more to it than meets the eye, because you would think that, at least Hunter would be like, yeah, let's throw him on NXT. And they've never even thrown him a bone. So I think, I think trusting him in small spurts is probably easier than like trusting him with like putting him on a contract. Yeah. Yeah. And by and the you way, would think Chris, maybe you traveling think- with Harry and Pillman's son, you know, that might help keep him in line too. Cause Harry's pretty much on the straight and narrow. And I'd say, especially WWE right now, they've kind of gotten bitten in the butt with, um, with Jeff Hardy and the Usos, so I think they're going to be gun shy about uh, those guys for a bit. Yeah, that's a good. Absolutely, point. too bad it's not Seth Rollins. <laughs> oh, the fellow preaching to the choir, here. buddy. Preaching to the choir here. Hey, oh, oh, here, here, here. This is a good opportunity. Hope maybe at some point Seth Rollins will take his career opportunity and burn it down while he's at it. Um, and by the way, Chris, I just wanted to say you have blown away all of the the stories i've got so just just a hat tip to you man you you completely blown me any of the locker room stories i have out of the water they the uh the 16 year old mark and me like is just dying to come out one of these days and be like oh my god i did this but gotta keep it all business you know and yeah uh, yeah you know it's it serves me well though because you know meeting a lot of these guys and you know, the friends in right places or, you know, the, the earning the respect of these people. I mean, that's what's led to these lines continuing because it's all word of mouth and, you know, just making new contacts and new friends along the way. And it certainly helped me expand because there's a lot of guys out there that might not want to go for the money we offer or might want to wait to see if WWE comes knocking for a legends deal. And, you know, I've managed to land a lot of people and, you know, hopefully that's going to continue in the months and years to come. Right. Has it gotten harder to sign guys now that um, WWE's gotten like more predatory about just trying to hoard anyone with like remotely any kind of marketable name? 
Shockingly, no, because there are people that are on WWE television that still haven't even come out. Like I signed Shane Strickland uh, after New Orleans last year, and his figure will be out in the coming months. And, you know, Joey Janela is on AEW, and his figure will come out. Um, who else we got coming out? Trying to think of anyone else. I mean, you know, uh, Cameron Grimes, Trevor Lee, like he's already in the line. But see, a lot of these guys, it's very hit and miss. Like it's all kind of just, you know, up to that one person. Because you'll get these guys that might sign with us. And then when they get to WWE, you know, they want to pretend like the figure didn't even happen because of like the whole Kevin Steen thing and all that stuff. Whereas other guys like Chris Hero, they just now made a Cassius Ono because he was under contract to us when we have a contract with someone we maintain exclusive rights so like shane strickland if mattel wanted to turn around tomorrow and be like oh hey we want to make an isaiah swerve scott figure they can't do that because i have the rights to shane strickland because he signed a deal with us like him going to wwe means nothing a wwe contract doesn't overrule ours so you know in that sense there are people that don't necessarily want to or can't sign. You know, I was very close to having Chelsea Green sign, and then she wound up getting her offer to go to NXT. So she's like, I can't do it. And I'm like, you know what? Like, that's completely understandable. Like, you want you want to go there? Like, I get it. Like, I don't fault you for going to WWE and doing all that stuff. Whereas now that everybody's getting scooped up, you know, we've got a lot of people coming that are on the ROH roster. So that's given us the opportunity to do Roosh, Bandito, Mark Haskins, Brody King, Marty Skrull. Um, And, you know, I don't think it matters if, you know, everyone's always concerned. Oh, well, they're going to leave Ring of Honor and they're all going to go to AEW. You know, everyone thinks that AEW is going to be this bottomless pit of money and everyone's just going to sign there. But as a collector, if there's never been a Bandito figure and Bandito is awesome and you want a Bandito figure, does it really matter what the packaging says? Do you care if it's an ROH, a WWE, an AEW figure? No, you just want that guy. So the more people that WWE go out and sign, you know, it's going to limit what we can do, or it's just going to mean that the other people that come up and are the next wave of indie guys that are on the cusp of greatness, those are going to be the guys to start to look at. You know, you look at guys like uh, Hammerstone and Richard Holiday in MLW, you know, the Von Erich kids, like all those guys that are starting to get some play, Jacob Fatu. There's a lot of guys out there that, you know, there's movement by some federations, but not necessarily WWE. Whereas if you're looking at people that you know are eventually going to wind up in WWE, you kind of want to not stay away from them, but you can kind of see the writing on the wall. And it's just, you know, where are my resources better utilized at getting some of the younger talent that still have a buzz about them or getting that guy that, you know, probably doesn't want to sign with you because he's going to about to take the big deal. Well, I think that I think that has to be hard too, especially because WWE just kind of signs them and buries them, and then their buzz is gone within six months because no one's seen oh. them. Yeah, well, they, yeah, well, bury them is I guess there's two different ways you could look at that. There's buries and like actively burying them or just not using them, and I think that's what you're seeing the latter. Yeah, because like, like they're just AC- not used. Yeah, like ACH and Trevor Lee, like they just disappeared off the face of the earth for six months. Yeah. And even like yeah, Keith Lee, I think that breakout, they haven't done anything besides that one match that he won. Yeah. And I, I even think guys like Keith Lee have lost their buzz because, I mean, they really don't use them that well. No, and they weren't using them that much until they needed to fill time on USA. Yeah. 
So, Chris, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize for something. Everybody, prepare yourself. I'm gonna make the requisite bad joke. I'm sorry that I had to hang my boots up before you could sign me, but there wasn't much I could do about it. So, doctor's orders <laughs> and all that good stuff. Who are you apologizing to for a bad joke? Did you not forget that for the last decade plus they've called them Malabombs? I mean, come I on. I was now. I was apologizing to our listeners. Oh, so, okay. All right. That's that's, that's that makes more about. sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, don't ever apologize to me for a bad joke. I mean, no. pretty much every chance you have is guaranteed at least one. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, they're 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 sick of me making that joke. Heck, the other guys here might be sick of me making that joke for all I know. But <laughs> I just keep doing it because you know, uh, like you, I'm a dad, so it's just like oh, hell. I'm making bad jokes, and that's just the way the the way the world turns now. Bad uh, jokes, dad jokes. Yep. So and, have you? Um. Oh, go ahead, Chad. Sorry. I was also going to say. How often does the thought cross your mind that someone gets signed to uh, one of the WWE brands and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna get this. Uh, we're gonna get the the action figure made, sir. He's he's already under he's already under contract." Damn that Petrillo! Damn him! You know Vince McMahon just having a having a hissy fit in the the boardroom. I mean, that is what happened with the Kevin Steen figure. I'm sorry. Has that, I'm sorry. I, I know we kind of. I know you told us at the time, but is that story like known wider in the wrestling community now? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to people that, and it's funny because there's even stuff with within WWE that was circulated incorrectly. So you know, I'll break it down here for the listeners here who either aren't familiar or who just you know might be interested in it. Kevin Steen was produced in wave one of the Ring of Honor series. Now, when we first signed a deal with Ring of Honor, we're going back to 2014. And as anyone would know, whenever a new toy is set to come out, toy production usually takes about a year to 18 months, like on average. You know, you're not, I don't care if you're Mattel with, you know, much more resources than we have or Hasbro or whatever, any toy company you're looking at a year to a year and a half. Uh, you know, those Pentagon and Phoenix figures that are coming out, they are still working on them. They go up for pre-order tomorrow. They're not shipping until summer of 2020. So, you know, like that right there, think of that type of a timeline. So when we were doing the ring of honor line, the first six guys were going to be the Briscoes, Jay lethal, Kevin Steen, Adam Cole, and Michael Elgin. Those are going to be the first six guys. And then we decided to put Elgin with the ring and do the first set with four guys. We were going to break it down to be four guys in each wave. So we did Jay Lethal, Briscoes, Kevin Steen. Everything starts going into production. The head sculpt is made. Now everything has to be approved by the talent. So even though we're working with Ring of Honor as licensing, like Mattel is not going to every person in WWE and saying, hey, how do you think your figure looks? Because you can even see on Twitter and on social media and stuff, there's some talent that absolutely hates some of their figures and they've called Mattel out on it with us. We want the talent to feel like they have some control over it. So we ask them for approval on their likeness on their head sculpt. What outfit are we going to use? Here's the design art. What do you think of that? And they have say in it, Kevin Steen had full say in this figure. Kevin Steen decides to leave ROH gets the WWE deal. From what I was told, this is what was given to me by sources Kevin Steen did not reveal to anybody that he had the Ring of Honor figure coming out, whether he thought they were going to scrap it, whatever he thought, he didn't say anything about it. At the same time as doing the Ring of Honor set. So the Ring of Honor licensing gave me full access to their roster. Even though Steen left, 
We had already started production. We have full legal right to continue with that figure because it began while he was under a Ring of Honor contract. Now I'm doing my in-house brands, the Legends line, the Rising Stars line. These talents are signing two figures toy company for three, four, or five years, whatever the case may be, so that we can make their figures. Kevin Steen starts getting big in NXT. They draft him over to Raw. He's doing the thing with Cena. He's doing the thing with Machine Gun Kelly. We have released the previews of the upcoming Ring of Honor figures, which include Kevin Steen. Internet blows up. This toy company is making a Kevin Steen figure. How can they get away with doing this? Does this mean that they're going to make Cesaro as Claudio and they're going to make Rollins as Tyler Black? And then WWE was saying that uh, they were upset because we were clearly targeting WWE raw talent to market the brand. So now if WWE is saying this, either their lawyers or their corporate people are idiots or it was just more hearsay getting you know twisted around on the internet. Because if you sign a WWE contract, your merchandising rights, including your likeness, belong to them. So how could I go around making, say, a Claudio figure or a Tyler Black figure if I don't have their likeness and they're not on the Ring of Honor roster? Like a licensing term is not a you know omnipotent forever term like anyone who ever walked through the doors of the Federation. It's the current scene right then and there. So there was a lot of confusion, a lot of stuff twisted around, but Vince McMahon... And I know that it trickled down from him because, again, it's more stuff that I got from sources in the company and everything. He wanted these guys to, like, not have any type of outside deals. There were people that had, like, energy drink deals or T-shirt deals. They were going hard after pro wrestling tees. I think they shut down, like, Jim Neidhart's store for a while. Um, it was just, like, a, a crazy, crazy time. And I don't know if that's necessarily as harsh as it is now, but I know that we still have eyes on us from – WWE and from Mattel because now that Mattel is you know making so many guys and making their chase figures and their variants and all this stuff, they have to be well aware of what guys they can make because they started making an AJ Styles figure when they had no legal right to because we had the rights to AJ Styles back when he was in New Japan and when he jumped ship, we still had AJ under a contract. Uh, same thing with Doc Gallows, Luke Gallows, and. There were, you know, legal things involved in Mattel having to be able to make AJ Styles and make Luke Gallows figures, because if we were trying to stick it to WWE in any way, we could have just been like, hey, we've got those guys under contract. Sorry. You know, and we're not like that. You know, we're doing this for us. You know, we want to stay on the good side of collectors. We want to stay on everybody's good side. It's WWE in typical WWE fashion trying to paint someone else as the bad guy because they didn't get their way. So if it's still like that, I don't know. I guess we'll find out if they decide they want to make an Isaiah Swerve Scott or you know someone else decides to sign in the interim. But for now, I think we're pretty safe because the Ring of Honor roster is all licensed by Ring of Honor. Anyone who's an individual, you know, Flying Brian Jr., Joey Janela, Flip Gordon, Shane Strickland, a um, couple of people that haven't been announced yet, if they wind up there, then it's just going to be you know a case-by-case -case scenario. But I also know that when we were doing the Legends line, Jim Cornette was like the first person that we signed. And Jim is a huge asset to us, a good friend to us. He's always on the lookout for other people that might want to be involved. And he offered us help with J.J. Dillon because J.J. hadn't had a figure and he would fit in perfectly with all the Four Horsemen figures that Jax had made and that Mattel had done. Mm -hmm. And we had talked to J.J. and we got as far as offering J.J. a deal, except that WWE came knocking and gave JJ a Legends deal. 
and did not produce a figure of J.J. Dillon until about a year ago. They made a J.J. Dillon build a figure in a set that was an exclusive to Walmart set. So there has been cases of WWE swaying people into their direction to keep them away from us or to not allow us to pursue them. So JJ Dillon's only action figure literally came in pieces because WWE wanted to keep him away from us so badly. Those build, those build of figures and, always suck too. And it's, mm-hmm. you can't have a collector new on card JJ Dillon because you would have had to crack other things open to get to it. So Exactly. That's, that's, and I talked to JJ yeah. about it, and uh, I talked to Jim Ross about it, and the both of them, like, because Jim Ross had a lot of interest in doing figures with us, but he still had a Legends contract that uh, prohibited him from doing so. And he even said to me, he said, they keep telling me that they're going to market me. The last time they made a figure of me, it was in Toys R Us, and it was in all different packages. You couldn't even buy me on my own. So, you know, they don't even understand why Mattel decides to do these things. It's just, hey, you know, it, it's... Marvel Legends, Mattel, I mean, you know, they're not the only ones guilty of it. Everyone's doing it. And it usually is to get rid of the uh, less uh, core characters. You know, it's it's either like the fringe characters or it's some type of variant or something. But even Hasbro does it with Marvel Legends. Like they do it with Hulk or like the the bigger characters. Whereas, you know, if you put a Hulk out there, mint on card, it's going to sell. Why bother wasting a -A Build-A-Figure on a Hulk? You know, do it for... You know, Wendigo or one of those like B characters or something or just like a that. Like a Sentinel, yeah. That's exactly what I was. I have a friend who he he collects. Um, he was collecting the Marvel Legends stuff just so he could build a Sentinel out of it. And the, uh, you know, I guess doing it with popular characters in order to drive up demand that's that's great and all, but I don't know. I never liked that. It always seemed like a dick move to me. Can, can I ask a question about like the current like action figure market? When I I don't I don't really collect any action figures, but when I walk by that section of like the Walmart or something, it seems like the stuff on the shelves now is more aimed at adults than it is children. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Because kids these like the younger kids. I mean, I can't speak for my kid because my kid is an action figure junkie. I mean, he's got more wrestling figures than I think there are wrestlers at this point. But, <laughs> you know, other than like the uh, the Fortnite stuff or the, the Five Nights at Freddy's, I mean, if you're in any toy aisle, it's Marvel Legends, DC Universe, the wrestling figures. I mean, yeah, you get like your basic Jurassic Park, Jurassic World or Toy Story type of stuff. But I mean, if you look at Target, there's even that whole adult toy section and i don't mean that in an x-rated sense but it's like that collector's zone that toys R Us used to have with all like the NECA horror figures and the stranger things stuff and the game of thrones stuff and everything and with toys R Us's demise i think that retail has kind of stepped it up to get a lot more of the adult oriented stuff but you know you do get like your 50 50 you know you get your avengers basics and stuff like that but definitely collecting is more of an older teen to adult hobby these days. Like, you know, I've got younger cousins and, you know, they're in like their late teens to early twenties, mid twenties now. And I honestly can't remember any of them having like a hardcore figure collection of any type. Cause they grew up on screens, you know, they grew up yeah. with electronics and stuff like that. Yeah. Is, um, cause this is probably the last thing I think I actually did collect and like displayed. Are the McFarland like toys still a thing or did that finally like, 
Sea Snake. Wow, I remember those. He was doing the Walking Dead figures, I believe. Okay. Um, he was still doing some pretty big licenses. I don't think he was doing as many as he was previously, because back in the day, he had everything. You know, the, the oh, movies. the sports ones were amazing. The sports ones. Yeah, I still have some of my NHL ones. My Patrick Waugh, Joe Sackix. I've got a whole bunch of them. Um, he's, yeah, he's not doing as much, but I'm not sure what he still is or isn't doing, because I haven't followed McFarlane Toys in the longest time. And if I'm not mistaken, I feel like he, like, recently did something with spawn where like he announced he was going to start redoing the spawn line again, or they're going to do all like these anniversary spawn figures. And I do remember seeing one at toys R Us before it closed, but I, you know, I couldn't have been bothered to like look up anything else beyond it because I just remember all those initial ones going crazy for them and they wound up being like totally worthless. I, I thought those at the time I didn't care. I, I never cared about value, but I thought the spawn toys like back in the day were outstanding and I think for a while I would say they were probably like the premium item to get like as a collector. We're talking like 20 years ago now, though. Yeah, I mean, his peak was like 90 because Spawn came out. Those figures started in like 93, I think. Yeah, but I then think the, they, movie, the movie ones and all that stuff were like the late 90s, like 98, 99. Yeah. That's a very nice character, too, so... Yeah, he just had his 300th issue, actually. Did he? No one reads it anymore, though. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think Todd McFarlane's actually touched that book in, in like, 20 years, though. Probably not. So what do you think of the, uh, the new Hasbro... Like, the, the Hasbro retros, I guess they would be called. Oh, the Mattel retros? I love them. And, of course, they're stopping the line because whether it was the distribution or the fact that they weren't well marketed, but they've actually pulled the plug on it. They say they're going to come back in 2021. I doubt it. I, I think it's a full-time freeze. I think they're done for because even getting like the last few, like a uh, diesel junkyard dog, Elias, like most of them were on Amazon, but diesel is like already sold out on Amazon junkyard dog. They keep delaying the shipment on it. Uh, some of them have popped up in discount stores, other ones I've never seen in the stores. So it's just, you know, I don't know. I, I think that the older collectors really love them. Uh, I think they got a lot of hype. I bought a bunch of them for Zach. Zach's got the retro ring and most of the retro figures, not all of them. But I mean, some of them were popping up at five below last year. And then if you go on eBay, some of the earlier ones, like the Roman Reigns one, goes for like 150 bucks mint on card because he was in the first wave that were Walmart exclusives. And I remember yeah, when they came out, there were like so many of them. And now it's like they've just dried up. I feel I, like that's that was their mistake day one because I didn't hear about them until they were a couple things in. But I thought I thought the Walmart exclusive was a really big mistake for them. I kind of hate and they're they doing that now with the, um, with the elites. So the elite set, which is just a commonplace set, but they're rotating exclusives. So one elite set has an exclusive for Walmart. The next one has an exclusive for Target. So like oh right God, now, Liv really? Yeah. So like Liv Morgan, Sony Deville, Cassius Ono, you can only find them at Target. They're like one per case and whatever set they're in. Walmart had Sensational Sherry, The Rock, uh, Briscoe, Patterson. So you gotta go like hunting for them. Backland was one of them. Um, but then you go ahead and so Pete Dunn. Okay, Pete Dunn, main character on NXT, main character in NXT UK, 
one of like the biggest breakout guys they've had, one of the guys who was hot on the indie scene before he even signed. His figure was a Target exclusive. Last year, it was going for like 140 bucks on eBay because he was like one per case at Target. I luckily found one, put it away. Now it's Christmas time, so all the discount stores are getting like the older sets for like their Christmas hauls and stuff like that. People are finding Pete Dunn for 10 bucks at Burlington stores. So it's just, it's basically just like, you know, fabricating the the rarity of it. And the biggest defender to this is they do like a Walmart exclusive Legends line. And last year, they put out a Harley race. It was Harley race, Ricky Steamboat, Jake the Snake, and Steve Austin. And it was four of them. And I found the Steamboat and the race. And I decided, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to keep the Harley. And I had an extra Steamboat because I bought two. I was going to give one to Zach, but he has a basic one. So I'm like, ah, he doesn't need it. I'm like, I'll just put them both on eBay. And it wound up selling for like 150 bucks. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, I kind of, it was kind of surprised that I got like that much for $20 figures. And now the Harley goes for like 500 bucks because apparently it was only a Walmart line. They only shipped out so many. And that was it. So the big thing now is everybody's expecting it to pop up in a discount store because it's like a year old set and it's going to pop up in like a five below or a Burlington or something like that. And, you know, I don't know if it will. Mattel claims that they shipped all of them out, but hmm. you know what I mean? The, the Pete Dunn showed up and the sensational Sherry showed up in discount stores. So why should we not believe that they just, you know, kind of manufactured the rarity of it and they're just going to pump it back out again. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard, um, just is it a side, like I read last year about how pretty much those, those discount stores are just choked with Star Wars merchandise now because Disney's tanked the um, toy sales on the Star Wars figures. I I don't collect Star Wars or follow Star Wars, but uh, I saw Star Wars figures in Dollar Tree. Oh, not wow. Dollar General, not Family Dollar. The literal everything is one dollar Dollar Tree store had Star Wars figures. Yeah, that uh, that sounds about right for... How that franchise has been going as much as it pains me to say you know chris i think um i think there is something to what you're saying about distribution because i know i was always on the lookout for the retros and i barely saw any of them like i i literally work above a target and they had i think like which which line which series was it that had uh rollins and ambrose, ambrose that, aj styles and goldberg yeah which that was, was that series, series two or three that, that was series three. That was the first set available at mass retail. Okay. Yeah. That, so that was like the first one I saw and they had those at target literally. God, I want to say like for months. And, uh, when it finally went on clearance, I think I bought like Ambrose and, uh, I think AJ and I didn't see any more at my target, but I went to a different target and they had, uh, they had a few more. They had the line that had Michael's Seamus, I think like angle, uh, Jericho, which I didn't pick up, uh, and I don't even Those know if they're available. At Walmart for two dollars and fifty cents. I'm not surprised, but I mean, I didn't see them. I didn't, and I live in DC. It's like it's it's a pretty big market, and I just I never saw more than like I would say a couple of the the series. And if you I, remember that AJ Styles from Series Three that we found everywhere, the first mm-hmm. time you and I ever saw it was when you were visiting, and we saw it in the GameStop because you bought it for Zach. Yeah. And then you couldn't find the set with Flair because I gave you the Flair for Christmas last year. Yep. Because I had yeah. to order. So some of them I've had to order off Amazon. I actually ordered one set off Kmart.com, which was the set with uh, Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt. 
I will say I kind of if I had a criticism about the line is I didn't like that it's pretty much just like the same three or four different poses that they just yeah you know, they didn't go nuts maybe did the body type. Yeah, and I, that kind of bothered me just because looking, I remember the old Hasbro's. They did kind of reuse some of the the body types, but for the most part, it was kind of each character was individual. So I don't know. No, I, did you I get any bear hugs or suplexes? Yeah. Um, since they are kind of uh, mothballing it potentially forever, I will say this. Uh, I know since you talked about uh, having a bunch of He Man and Masters of the Universe toys. I actually love the fact that they're they're doing a Masters of the Universe type line with WWE figures. I actually figures. saw the ring yesterday. They had the really? ring at well, yeah, they had the ring at Toy Vault. They wanted like twenty seven bucks for it, and I know it's going to be like fifteen bucks at retail. So I'm I super, I'm super, super like interested in that. I I at least have to get the Macho Man because that <laughs> looks like tremendous. I- I'm excited about that, but like with the the retros, like I expect to never see it. And when I finally find a couple, it's going to be the dregs of like the ones you don't want. It's going to be like the Triple H that no one's going to give a shit about. Well, the Triple H retro was one of the uh, he was in Walmart Series Two, but that Walmart Series Two wound up at TJ Maxx for four ninety nine because that was the set that had Kane, Sting, Mankind, Triple H, The Rock, and Austin. And they were in TJ Maxx and Marshall stores for like six months last year. Like those discount stores, if you if you hit them on the right day, like I, I there's a five below uh, right by the house, like five minutes away. And before I went and picked Zach up today, I just happened to stop by there because I was killing time. And so the basic series, if you go in any Walmart or Target right now, they have like basic 95 through 99 as far as the series. So... I'm in this five below and they had series 92, 93, 94, 95, and 96 all in five below. And now there's two targets, a Walmart, a mall, all this stuff around me. I could go to any of those stores and probably see half those figures being charged, you know, nine ninety nine plus tax. Whereas they're at five below in full stock. It's not like they got like one case and that's it. I'm talking a wall of WWE figures, the new day, Rusev, Sonya Deville, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Bray Wyatt, like all these like current characters for $5 each. And that kind of lends to the insanity that a lot of these collectors have with a mass marketed brand like that. Because if you know they're going to wind up in a discount store, what's the need to find it right away? Like my need for finding figures right away is due to the fact that I have a four year old. And I know what it's like to want to have like that character or that guy that you saw in the store or the guy that you saw on TV. I know what that feels like. I'm not going to w- make him wait a year for it because he doesn't understand that it's going to be cheaper someday. Or, you know, He's my child. I want to spoil him. I want to give it to him. But as an adult collector, my spending habits on Mattel for myself personally, unless it's a figure that I think is really cool looking or one of those store exclusives of somebody that I like, like a Cassius owner or a Liv Morgan – my spending is few and far between because I know it's going to get marked down on Amazon. It's going to get cleared out at Target or it's going to wind up in Burlington, Five Below or TJ Maxx. And I can get it for half the price or less. So if, if they're ending up in like discount stores like that, does that mean they're overproducing or is it is that stuff just not selling now? Um, I think it's both. I think it's definitely a lot of production, a lot of mass production. And I also think that with their basic line, I think the basic line is, I think it's mass produced because the basics are more geared for the kids. 
and there's not as many kids watching and there's not as many kids interested. And the fact is they make the same people over and over, which they've said, they kind of mentioned it in like the toys that made us when they talk about masters of the universe, they kept making all the additional characters, but there was no He-Man or Skeletor. So why does a kid want Masters of the Universe characters if there's no He-Man or Skeletor available for them to get? They're not going to start collecting. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So that's why every set has a Finn Balor, an AJ Styles, a Seth Rollins, a Braun Strowman, like a top of the card level guy. But you're making so many of them repeatedly, you're just clogging the pipeline. And that's, by the time uh, you know Sony Deville comes out, it's like okay, Sony Deville, first time in the line figure. But where is she on television? Like, you don't really do anything with her. Like, the most people know about her is what's on Total Divas. What eight-year-old who's buying WWE figures knows that she's a lesbian on Total Divas? Nobody. That's, um kind of similar. I used to be real big into hero clicks. I was a judge for it and everything. That's kind of similar to what happened is that Marvel demanded that every Marvel set that was made had to have a Wolverine and a Hulk and maybe one other one I can't remember off the top of my head in it. They had there had to be all of them, and they got to the point where people are just like, "God, what, what more can you do with them?" Because they're like, "Well, don't care about you know whatever the new Hulk is," and so they they were torn between it's like, "Well, we want people to like it, but do we want to upend our tournament scene based on the fact that you know this whatever the newest Hulk or the newest Wolverine or whatever that's come out is is so good." And they're like, oh, we'll make them chase figures, which made the whole thing even more bloody. And now, hero clicks don't sell, so they 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 hampered their own market, which isn't as broad as the action figure market is. But I'm just saying it's something similar to what's I've seen happen elsewhere. You guys are giving me my my. You guys are giving me horrible flashbacks to my days working at Walmart. Because <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't action figures collectors, so I worked I actually worked in the toy department of a Walmart for quite a while, and it was the damn Hot Wheels collectors. Oh, oh yeah, those guys I are mean... still horrible. They they are still they are still there when the store opens. <laughs> like they'd be out, they they'd know they'd know when you'd have a box because they'd be sitting there, and it's like oh I must have a box of Hot Wheels because they wanted I and I I didn't know this until I worked in a toy department. But if you find a Hot Wheel with like a treasure chest on it, for some reason that has value. Or that back in the day, that was it. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about Hot Wheels to understand the rarity or the collectability, but there were guys that used to wait outside the Toys R Us near me, and Toys R Us would open at 10 a.m. And if I had nothing going on, or if it was a day off, or the college campus that I used to go to was across the street, so like I might stop in before class. And if it was 10 a.m. and the door wasn't open yet, I would just kind of go in, like, hands in my pocket, like, browsing, and these guys would, like, run past me because they thought I was some type of, like, Hot Wheels interloper. Like, I was interfering with their Hot Wheels getting, and they would run to the Hot Wheel shelf and start pulling them off the pegs and, like, looking for something, whether it was those treasure chest ones or whatever else there are. And there are still – I see people going crazy at Walmart. Like, if I go to Walmart on a Saturday morning and I'm doing the grocery shopping or something like that, there's always people in there flipping through the Hot Wheels. Always. Yeah, because and like the ones, the ones I dealt with at the store I worked at were pretty nice about it. But like they would just know, like you'd see three or four guys pop up, and you're like, oh, I must have a box of Hot Wheels in there. I don't know how they know, but they do. And they'd be like, oh, can you, can you get the Hot Wheels box out? And I'm like, okay. And you know they wouldn't get in the skids or anything, but I just I don't know how they knew because I I never knew how the automated system worked, but. 
They were after those damn Hot Wheels. No, nobody cares as much as an as an enthusiast does, and they'll no. figure it out. Yeah, I, I, it blew me away. I didn't know Hot Wheels was like a collector's thing. I, oh, yeah. you have the, I, I know enough that if you have the right cars or from the right era, you can make some bank on Hot Wheels. Well, yeah, I think that's what it was. A lot of those guys were scalpers that were coming in to get the chases out of the new shipment so they could sell them on eBay. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Chris, I have a... This is this is going to be taking a hard left a little bit from what we were already talking about, but it's something I'm curious about, and, you know, we've got you on here, so what the hell, right? Um, Go for it. What is your opinion on these weird ass variants that I see pop up. Like when, whenever I was, I was kind of exiting my action figure phase, the Ninja Turtle figures came out, had like day jobs. And then we had the WWE figures where like Bray Wyatt was half crocodile. Oh, the stuff, like the like monsters that. and the mutants yeah. line, the monsters, the zombies. Yeah. Oh, the zombies I, line. I, yeah. How do you feel? I'm not a fan of those. Can you, I didn't even I, like those as a kid. Yeah, like, I, I'm not a fan of that stuff. Like, when I was a kid collecting Masters of the Universe, the variants there were, like, you know, Terror Claw Skeletor and Flying Fist He-Man and Thunder Punch He-Man. Like, that stuff was cool because it's like, oh, man, like, He-Man will punch Skeletor and the cap, you know, pops in his backpack and it makes a sound. So right. it's like, yeah, that was cool, but it wasn't the original. That I could live with even though it wasn't, you know, even though the the design was different or if it, you know the sword was a different color like you know it, it wasn't quote unquote he-man it was just like a, a different version of him with right. these mutants and zombies and stuff like that it just feels like a waste because they've given us nothing to utilize them for like at least with masters of the universe or ninja turtles like you could be like oh you know if you are creative he-man found the sword that gives him the power to you know swing his fists really fast or you know skeletor found these gloves and he's going to use them to tear down the door at castle grayskull or you know the ninja turtle came in this trench coat or he's dressed like a bike messenger because he's in disguise or something like that you can kind of create that in your head i never saw cody rhodes with a brainiac sized head being blue right. uh I, I never saw a sting with pincher claws so yeah. what am i going to do with these things they're not going to wrestle uh i don't know who's supposed to be good or bad like at least the whole thing with being the masters of the wwe universe does make some sense as far as combining the licensing and they're making it you know basically the world of he-man but it's inside a ring and they're making a ring for it and all this stuff the monster figures were basically just like a lot of goofy inside jokes and mishmash of body parts for weird character designs. I think the only one that even had any type of real, like kind of funny thought to it is that Chris Jericho was the mummy because he was wearing the scarf and the scarf was his tatters, like his rap. Is that seriously all that was? Yeah. Like, God, like as you're talking, I'm sitting here going, do they just have like, like molds they're not using for anything else or pieces left over or something like that. But instead it's like, Oh, Chris Jericho, where's the scarf? Let's just like make more scarf and make him a mummy. I'm like, I thought you guys were supposed to be creative. What is this? Well, if you, cause if you think about it, Mattel makes DC figures in the same style, they've got the WWE figures. 
they were making uh, Masters of the Universe figures for like Maddie Collector and the uh, mail order stuff or the internet only stuff. So they do have a variety of different parts that are befitting of creatures and superheroes and stuff like that. So it's really kind of just like, a, you know, create your own figure. Oh, hey, we came up with this cute little idea. All right, we'll go for it. I mean, those zombie figures, you can still find a couple in the discount stores. But I mean, there was a wall of those at five below. And these are figures they try to get like 13 bucks for right out the gate. Yeah. So you're selling by less than half because they're not selling at all. But yet they kept ma- they They discontinued the retros, but yet they kept making zombies and monsters and mutants. Right. It's like, why, why do I care? And then the answer comes out like, ah, I don't. Yeah. See, like, that that's shocking to me because like let's say let's say I, I only have nieces but let's say i had a nephew that was super into wrestling and i wanted to buy him a couple of wrestling toys i'd probably buy him the mattel retros just because he's a kid and those would be harder to break mm-hmm. and like he's gonna look at a couple of monster things and be like what's this i'm like i don't know yep yeah like i was shopping with zach the other day and he was looking around and there's a like a vintage slash new toy store inside the mall and we always go like looking in there but they had like a peg and it had like the monster figures and he had seen them before like he saw them in walmart and stuff and he didn't like them now that he's got almost everybody on the current roster you know available to him now he's like thinking about the things he doesn't have he's like i don't know i kind of like them but i don't know how they're gonna fight and I'm right. like, okay, you're four, and you figured that out. So why are they <laughs> making these figures? You know, I I feel like some of those I feel like some of those companies would do better if they brought actual children in for some of this newer stuff. Hasbro does it. We could rehash the plot of Big for it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it makes sense. And if if Hasbro does it, they they've got to find value in it. Otherwise, why would they keep doing it? But. I don't know. I it, it it lends in my head what I call grandma syndrome. It's like, oh, well, this is something he likes, therefore he'll like this. And you open it and you look at it and you're like, what is this? What? And say thanks to grandma and you're like, thanks, grandma. What? Uh, where'd you find this at? I don't know if the right, I don't know if the right term is loss leader, but you know, like how uh, Walmart, like you know, they basically get these items that they lose money on in order to drive business to the store. So I almost wonder if like these things are more or less like a loss leader, like they're just kind of pumping them out and it's like, Hey, if we get some money off these great. And if not like, you know, no skin off our back, we're just going to use whatever we can to put it towards the other lines. Anyway. I think it's, I think it's, I think what, I think what happens with the action figures is I actually think it's kind of like comic books and some other stuff is where it's just an antiquated thing that's slowly dying out and we just haven't quite gotten far enough along yet. And I don't think people have caught on to that. No, and I think that's why they're geared more towards the older collectors. I think that's why there's more of a focus on the elite figures. I think that's why companies like NECA are doing stuff like the Friday the 13th and the Child's Play and Terminator figures and stuff like that because it's our demographic that's spending the money on it. I mean, yeah, you, you've got certain kids, like my kid, that are going to want all of these types of things. But even as far as my own personal work at Figures Toy Company, I mean, Figures Toy Company is predominantly geared towards the older collectors, especially making things in that retro-style format, that Mego-style format. I, that's something that you know collectors even slightly older 
that all of us remember much more fondly. And then as far as the wrestling stuff and everything, you know, it's really a lot of like these younger people that are like, why aren't they like Mattel? Cause that's all they grew up on. Cause Mattel has been doing it for the last 10 years. So if you're 20, you know, that's what you started getting when you were like nine, 10 years old. Whereas if you're 25, 30, 35, you remember Jack's and you can appreciate it more. And also it's more affordable to you because, you know, ours are made in limited amounts. They're only available on our sites or through whoever wants to wholesale from us, like sites like high spots and stuff like that. So you really have to kind of capture your audience and, you know, goofy figures like that, they might think they're going to capture that kid's audience, but you know, what, what do you want with a zombie Nakamura or a zombie Charlotte flair? It's like, You've already got guys like Finn Balor doing stuff like the demon on regular TV. Now you have to make him into an actual demon. Yeah. Well, that um, it fits with an observation I had. I was at, uh, yeah, it's still last month. I was at Cincinnati Comic Expo last month. And, you know, I'm walking around. I'm having a good time with friends of mine, that sort of stuff. And whenever I started looking around for some stuff to, you know, maybe something to bring home for my little guy. I mean, he's almost three at this point, so... He's not real. He's not real focused in on a lot of stuff yet. But looking around, and I realized, damn near everything here is selling stuff like ten to twenty years old at a markup. They're like every every stinking booth here that's not selling shirts or vinyl stickers or art is just selling old collector stuff. And it's like, what? What am I? I was, I was, I suppose I shouldn't be confused, but I was really irritated by it. Cause it's like, what, am, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? I think where I live, I could find one of those old toy biz Marvel figures easier than I could a current like Marvel figure. And the current Marvel figures, the, the ones that are flooding the shelves here, it's like the Ant-Man and Wasp set. It's like, okay, we're, we're getting on like two years of this now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's kind of what's going on here too. Well, and a lot of these companies, like, especially like in Target, like, I don't know, like, they're getting into that, I guess you would call them, like, I know that, I know they usually say legends for that stuff, but they want like 20 bucks for like a single figure. And it's like, yeah, that looks cool, but you know, $20 is a big investment for a action figure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, ours on our website are like $25, $30, but you know, we're making them in quantities of a thousand to 2000 at the most. Whereas you've got Mattel or Hasbro whoever pumping out literally millions of these, which is why they're winding up at discount stores because they're not selling for 20 bucks because a parent doesn't want to spend 20 bucks on a figure that their kid is going to bash around. And someone who's got limited funds or who's an older collector might be much more selective. So then you're going to have all those figures that are stuck in limbo that are not going to sell at that price that they're going to wind up having to mark down or ship out to a TJ Maxx or a Burlington. And I, the difference, though, with going to your site, though, and then being that price is I'm seeking that out. So I'm obviously a serious collector. Whereas if I see something in a Target, especially in the toy section, like especially if you're on a peg like an action figure, you need to be like an impulse purchase territory, which $20 is not. No, no, absolutely. I agree. Like if you're in a Target, you should be in you're an action figure. You should be $12 or less. And $12 is probably pushing it. It's absolutely pushing it. Mm hmm. 
Because <laughs> at least, like, like Lego's going to charge you an arm and a leg, but it's Lego. Well, and Lego you can use for other things. Yeah. But, jeez, Pete. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't, I, I'm... And and a kid saving up money to, to get something they like, it's like, well, you can either get two or three of these other things with what <laughs> what you got, or you can get this one thing. Well, what are kids going to do? Is that who you're marketing towards? They're going to get the little Pokemon that are cheap. You're going to get the sealed box Minecraft ones. And then they're going to complain yeah. when they got the same one they've already got. And it's like, buddy, that's that's why it's a sealed box thing. You don't know what you're getting out of it. Well, it's stupid. Well, okay. You know, I, what did you I, learn today? I, I do those sealed box things every now and then just if it's something fun and they're cheap. And I always, I somehow always get like the worst possible thing you can get out of those every single time. Um, A few years ago at Christmas, I had somebody get, because... If you listen to the podcast, you know I still play League of Legends at this point, but it's I had someone very kindly get a um it was one of the sealed League of Legends like you don't know which sculpt is inside it kind of thing. Okay, fair enough. I open it up and what am I looking at is is a character with the reputation for the most toxic fan base in the game staring back at me and I'm like Okay, wow. That's I don't uh I appreciate the thought of the person that gave this to me, but this is in no way who I would have picked for myself. I think the last thing I did hidden box and I ended up eBaying all of them after I got one out of the box is I got all the, um, the little vinyl dig dug characters. Oh yeah. Yep. Not like not the Funko Pop. So I, but like the little vinyl nation guys or whatever. Yeah. I actually only have like a couple of Funko Pops. Yeah, I got one, and it was, it was a thoughtful gift from somebody, so uh, that's why I have it. But I, just... I have more Amiibos than I have Funko Pops. Matt, you've been so quiet. Was there anything you were wanting to jump in with? Uh, not really. Um, I, I'm kind of pondering getting into collecting elites, but I just don't have space for it. And uh, they're kind of a little on the more expensive side. What's an elite cost? Uh, Twenty bucks, unless you get it on sale. Um, but the thing is, I like the elites more than the basics, just because I actually like. I, I'm I'm kind of a big stickler on what what do they call it when in action figures? It's not like posability; it's like articulation. articulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of like that. So I like how with elites, the actual like hip joints move it's more than just like the up and down like with uh with basics i kind of i like the little bit of flexibility because my favorite like my overall probably favorite toy line back in the day was gi joe's and they had like a ton of articulation uh you could like bend them every sort of way as long as the the rubber band didn't break so uh the worst is though when the joints would get loose and like you had to like gimmick them so they'd stand without just falling over yeah that's true i actually i would I would say, like, all-time best action figure line ever is those, the the, the original, not the not the doll one, but the, like, the 3.5 G.I. Joes are probably the best toy ever. Because mm-hmm. I think they, 
I think uh, I think they they kind of check all of Chris's boxes there of like the good accessories. They look like the characters. You know, you could you could uh, go play in the garden with them, and they were about the right size to hide in the bushes and stuff. What do they do like as far as like so if you like so if if I like Matt wanted to get into the elites like what are what is your commitment for their releases like are we talking like every three months like twice a year like what do they do and how many do they do I mean it it almost seems like they're monthly at this point but it also depends on where you get them from because you know if you're gonna order from a place like Ringside so you can have them first then you're gonna pay like thirty five dollars thirty dollars plus shipping to get like you know the new guys. Uh, whereas, okay, so perfect example, the Velveteen Dream, first time he ever came out was an action figure. Uh, Cedric Alexander, Shayna Baszler, they all came out in Elite Series 67. When that ringside site put them up, I think Velveteen was like thirty two ninety nine, and Shayna was like twenty nine ninety nine. so they're already marking them up by like 10 to $15 or so. They wind up on Amazon, base price is 20 bucks. occasionally they drop down to like 14 or 15 something like that. Just this week. Now, that set came out in the summer because, yeah, it was like maybe like May or June when it came out because Zach has Velveteen Dream. They are already being found at Big Lots for $10 each. Wow, really? Yeah. I I literally just got word today. um, Someone had posted it on Reddit that they're finding them at Big Lots in New Jersey, which means they're probably at Big Lots around here. So, again, you know, if you have Amazon points to use or rewards points or a coupon or you find guys on clearance, that's the thing, though. Like a lot of these stores like Target and Walmart and stuff like that, they very rarely clearance out like the one set of elites. Like they'll get like, you know, a couple of cases for a month, then they won't stock for a month. Then they reset everything and then they stock again. It's very sporadic to get them at retail. But if you search either online or discount stores, you can get some elites for under 10 bucks. I mean, if it's just, you know, say you like Sami Zayn and you go on Amazon and you don't care what Sami Zayn you get. You just want to get a Sami Zayn figure. I've seen Sami Zayn elites going for like seven ninety nine. I got Zach the big boss man in the 1998 black SWAT attire for like eight bucks. Like you can definitely play the game and find them super cheap if you're not in a rush to get anybody. But if you want to collect like the new characters, which new meaning it's someone who was popular like a year ago, like they're just now putting Adam Cole into the main line. And he's been there for what, almost three years now. I looked at, I just looked on Amazon Velveteen 1671 as of our recording. Yep. So and someone, someone would have paid like twice for that. Yeah. And he, and you know, everyone's like, Oh, first time figure. It's going to be rare. It's going to be so hard to come by. Not only is he cheap right there, but they are making another Velveteen dream. I think in like elite 73. So it only took them six sets to make another one. So he's going to be repaint city over and over. Chris at the uh, the target that I mentioned earlier, like they they're so behind. I think they um they just put out the set that had Ricochet in. Which yeah, I don't which, know how far back that was. Which is a set and actually that kind of goes hand in hand with what we're talking about money wise. So the set that Matt just mentioned, it's another set with a lot of hot talent. It's Ricochet and Mustafa Ali, first time figures for both. The Miz, Rey Mysterio, Tommaso Ciampa, and Bobby Lashley, which is the first time Mattel has made Bobby Lashley. So 
three pretty hot characters, three good-looking figures with Champa, Mysterio, and Miz, and then three brand-new guys with Ali, Ricochet, and Lashley. So now it's holiday season. A lot of the stores are doing their resets, you know, clearing out the old stock, clearancing out things. Walmart's system was so screwed up that the clearance elites that they had in stock the code never changed over for a good amount of stores across the country. So when the new elite set that Matt just mentioned with the three brand new characters in it got to retail, they were still ringing up as $7, which was the clearance price and Walmart didn't bat an eye. So that right there is further proof of don't ever pay the full 20 unless you really need to, because you'll get a goof like that. Or you know eventually that the stores know what they're worth and will mark them down. Or you can get them on a site like Amazon where they're you know five to ten dollars cheaper than the release price. So what's the um like so when when this new line comes out, I don't know if you know this answer, I'm just curious. What's the um what is like the life cycle at like a Walmart for the new line? Oh, it depends. I mean, some of those figures, like Matt mentioned that Retro Series 3 with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, and I mean, those were hanging on the pegs at my Target up until like two months ago, and that was a two-year-old set. Um, You know, my Target here has had, well, had, they finally got rid of them, but they had the NXT Series 2 Rusev figure, which was the Alexander Rusev figure, they had that for years at 20 bucks and just finally got rid of it at like 598 on clearance. Uh, there's like a, not an urban legend, but the uh, folklore of the target Tito, the hall of fame Tito Santana figure that literally was in almost every target known to man because nobody wanted it. <laughs> so, you know, it all depends, especially with some of those limited edition sets. But I mean, if you've got the hot character, you know, you're going to have your peg warmers too. So, you know, everyone wants Ricochet, Bobby Lashley, and Mustafa Ali. You're going to get Rey Mysterio or The Miz warming pegs because there's been a million of them before and there'll be a million of them in the future. Whereas, you know, Ricochet, Lashley, Ali, people jump the gun to get that first-time figure because they want the rarity of it, you know, not realizing or probably realizing Ricochet, uh, you know, Ali, uh, Lashley, all guys that can be redone 10 times over because you know just like how wwe has so much talent under contract but yet use the same people over and over again mattel has access to this whole roster of people but release the same people over and over again so you kind of talked about how like you don't want people to miss out like the he-man and skeletor thing do you think there's a logic to that or do you think they should just do new guys and maybe like cycle one or two of the main guys in every like like maybe have like a three year cycle for the top guys. I mean, there's definitely a sense of logic to it. I just think that they overkill it. It's there's so many Romans. There's so many Seths. There's so many Finns. There's so many bronze. And you eventually get to a point where there's not much you can do. It's like, okay, you did Seth and the shield stuff. And now Seth with the burn it down tights. And then, Oh, they're doing the shield reunion. Let's release them with like a brand new shield t-shirt. It's like, He's Seth Rollins. Like, he hasn't changed anything. Like, a guy like Mysterio or a guy like Balor, like a guy with face paint or a guy with a mask and a costume, like, yeah, I get it. But, like, Ricochet, like, I love Ricochet as much as anybody. How many figures are we going to see of him? You know, they just released him in the black pants now. Then we'll get him in the red pants. Then we'll get him in blue pants. And we'll just keep getting him in different colored pants 
with the same head. You know, they did that with Nakamura. They have completely killed Nakamura at retail because they've just released them over and over again in either black or red pants. And now one of the Walmart special edition sets for Survivor Series is going to be him in like the SmackDown blue jumper. And it's like at this point, people probably already have 10 Nakamuras. I know I do because Zach loves them. So what the big sell is that he's in a blue costume. It's like, so what? I really wish I had the blue pants theme song uh, queued up when you were when you said blue <laughs> pants. You mean the librarian? Yes. The awful librarian gimmick. I mean, that one is that not a gimmick win, but... works. I maintain that's a good gimmick because it, it gets heat, even though it pisses I, everybody off. Everyone hates it. And that's I think the it point. Would, I, I think the problem is that is a good live crowd gimmick, but a bad television gimmick. It's not as bad as the Dark Order has come across, though. Yeah. Mm. No. They've, that's been their big fail so far. Okay, Chris, so let's, let's, uh, and we can, we can bring, uh, Shad and Matt into this. So we're going to go a little outside of wrestling for our kind of final topic of the evening. What would you say are your, I, and I know you probably, you kind of touched on them already, but what would you say your favorite toy lines like all time are outside of the, the original Mattels? Uh, the, you mean the original Hasbro's for the wrestlers? Yeah. Uh, my favorite my most collected, my most sought after, my most beloved, my most played with were the original Mattel Masters of the Universe figures. Uh, at one point, my collection was so large that my local library asked me to loan it to them so they could put it in display cases for like a toy fair that they were doing. And when I say I had everything and everybody, I mean vehicles and Castle Grayskull. Uh, I had everything except for the stuff that was trickling out towards the end. Um, if you thought that Dusty Road story was a, oh my God, like moment of regret story, how about the fact that I literally had my hands on an attorney, a play set, but it was about $75 at retail at the time. And my parents were like, yeah, like you can wait till Christmas. And by the time Christmas rolled around, the attorney, a play set was no longer in stores. And now if you want that thing mint in the box or even gently used in the box, you're coughing up four figures for it. Four is, figures for Eternia. Is that the like last the, time I saw it sell mint in the box, like unopened, was a foreign package. I think it was an Italian box, and it sold for ten thousand five hundred dollars on eBay. Wow! Wow! See, that's why you had to you had to put your stuff on layaway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, don't laugh. That's, that's how that, I got my that's how I got my Nintendo Entertainment System back in the day. I feel like I'm dating myself because I don't even think. There's nothing wrong with layaway. No, some stuff came back. Yeah, it's it's still around. They brought it. They brought it back. They took it away like in the late '90s, but like around the time the recession hit, they brought it back. Yeah. Yeah, Even the uh, have layaway. Like like TJ Maxx and Marshalls have layaway. Is the is the attorney set kind of like the ongoing joke that you see about the 35th anniversary of not getting the GI Joe uh, aircraft carrier, the USS flag? Yeah. Oh, I, I I remind my mother all the time. I'm like, I had my hands on that. You could have bought it. And she's like, yeah, and you probably would have broken it anyway. <laughs> Ouch. You know, my friend, uh, just to go into absurdly large toys, I had a friend that had Fortress Maximus. Oh, wow. And that, I swear to God, that thing was like three feet tall. 
Yeah, that was the thing, too. It's like, as kids, we wanted all these sets, but we weren't really cognizant of how much space they were taking up. Yeah, that is true, because I'm really cognizant of that. I think that's what's kept me away from toys as an adult, is I just don't have the space. Yeah, that, uh... As he sat back and looked up at his hand-painted <clears throat> Warhammer Fantasy uh, items sitting on his shelf... Yeah, that is a concern. So. So other than, so then I, I take it um, Masters of the Universe was a big one for you. And then you mentioned G.I. Joe. Was that probably like your number two or three? Uh, G.I. Joe. Yeah, I would call it a number three because I collected it pretty heavily. I had a lot of the original toys. I had the original headquarters with the jail cell in the middle and you know, I stuck with it through like the early nineties, but I fell off. Like once I kind of hit 12, 13 years old, you know, masters of the universe was done for. And GI Joe at that point was just, you know, a lot of repaints, a lot of variants, a lot of like the goofy, um, drug squad. Yeah. Like the drug squad, the, the toxic ones that like change color. Like it looked like they had sludge on them. Uh, the yeah. ninja, Force, you know, th then they made like the street fighter figures. So, you know, I was always collecting superhero figures too. So I would say that the uh, Marvel toy biz and the wrestling figures were what kind of kept my attention going into the 90s. Yeah, I think um, as far as 90s go and like my big collecting thing in the late 90s was when they kind of did the Star Wars toys. Mm -hmm. Those were those were my big thing. I eventually got rid of all those, but I thought those were really good. Um, but that kind of. That kind of, they kind of, that was kind of the start of when the collectors thing started becoming a, you know, when the companies became cognizant of it. And yeah, it started like gearing more towards like the people that were willing to spend more and everything. Yeah. And that's, that's really where it kind of got ruined for me. But I think that's where a lot of stuff gets ruined is when they, when they pick up on the collector's market, it, uh, it really kind of, um, kind of ruins it. But, um, why don't we ask, uh, so Matt, why don't you throw one out there that you liked when you were, I guess, a kid? Well, like I said, um, G.I. Joe was my favorite. Uh, I had a lot of the He-Man toys, too. Uh, I collected, when I was younger, a lot of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys. That was, uh, that was a big one for me, too. Yeah. Um, uh, here's a more obscure one, uh, and I think we might have mentioned this on the, the TV show. Uh, the cartoon show that we did, um, that podcast, but cops, I had like a yeah. bunch yeah, of the cops figures, cause, and it would, they were awesome because they were basically almost like a, they weren't twelve inch, they were more like a, maybe like no, they, they, were, they were like six inch figures, but they were like bigger. They were yeah, they were, they were like yeah, they were basically just like GI Joes, but just larger. But those are pretty cool. I had like a yeah. bunch of those. I think I had all those, but I don't think that was a huge line though. No, but they did. I think they did two or three series of that, at least. I mean, they had they had quite a few figures. It was. Well, I remember I had the helicopter. Oh, I didn't have I any of the. Yeah, I didn't have any of the vehicles. Because that one was, I think that one was notorious because if you wanted all the figures, you had to get the vehicles because a lot of the vehicles came with a figure. Mm. I was never really big into like the vehicles. It was more of I was just more of the figures. That was like more what I could elected. I had limited space. So yeah. I, I kind of, I had, I had to pick and choose. Like occasionally I would get vehicles, but it wasn't like my big thing. 
G.I. Joe, you could really get stuck in a rabbit hole with the vehicles. Yeah, that's true. What about you, Shad? Well, the um, Ninja Turtles was a big thing for my brother and I. But I'm I'm looking it up because I want to make sure that I say the right thing here. I believe that the big one for me, yep, that's it, all right, was the Super Friends Superpowers Collection. Oh, I remember those. Because I had, I could, uh, a buddy of mine and I, like at Cincy Expo, we were looking, this guy had a, uh, a stack, like he had a display case of all of them. And I'm staying there looking at it going, okay, had it, 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 didn't know that was a thing. So just running down from a, a list that's in front of me, Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Firestorm, um, Martian Manhunter, Red Tornado, Brainiac, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Robin, uh, Flash, Wonder Woman, uh, Doctor Fate, Hawkman. The problem is uh, Lex Luthor, Joker. The problem is, and I, I had the Hall of Justice too. I had the carrying case that you slot everybody into. You. The carrying case, you were actually even supposed to cut the cards out on the back of the, the figure cards and put them in the, the special carrying case that went with it. I never, I didn't know that there was a Shazam one. I didn't know Darkseid was one of them. I didn't know there were Parademons. I didn't know that there was uh, a Mr. Freeze. Oh, I had Plastic Man, too. Plastic Man was awesome because you'd squeeze his arms and his neck would extend. Uh, I didn't know Calabac was one of them. There was um, there was one that was called something like Cyclone that he would take the the face and chest off and hold it in front of him, and it was robotic underneath. Like that was that was really uh, Penguin had Penguin too. That was really. I think a, there was a Riddler in that set too. Um, from the quick search I was doing, I didn't find one, but I had I know, that. I had a. Um, go ahead. My my only experience with that line, I never got all of it, but I was obsessed with um, the Adam West Batman as a child. Yeah. So my parents got me like the Batman stuff out yep. of that that was like relevant to the um, like what I would have seen on the TV show. So I did have a couple of those, but only like the Batman stuff. I'm actually kind and of. If you want to find but... Adam West Batman figures or Super Friend superpower figures, you can find our versions at figurestoycompany.com. <laughs> I got nice the plug, plug in. There it was. Yes. I, I look at it and I, you know I'm remembering I had a uh, I had a Batmobile. I had Superman's plane. Oddly enough, like I said, I had the Hall of Justice. It breaks my heart to know that there was a Captain Marvel, aka Shazam, in that set that I never had. Did you have Wonder Woman's jet that? You know, they just charge you twenty dollars for nothing for an empty box. No, I didn't yes. have the, I didn't have that. But um, it it brings up, if you guys don't mind me doing a, a brief tangent, it brings up the most heartbreaking story I think I could have in my my Shazam Captain Marvel fandom. Um, my wife and I have been together for almost twenty years at this point, and you know, I, I got to be pretty close with her dad. <laughs> and this was only like five years ago or so. He finally told me this. He said, I, I didn't tell you this for a long time. I debated it, but I may as well. Growing up, his dad worked at Fawcett City Comics. He had 
copies of the original Captain Marvel with the red velvet cover. And whenever they got old enough, his dad said, y'all are too old for this now. And he took all of those comics out and threw them in the burn barrel and lit it on fire. I think you've told that story. I, I don't I know told if you told it on that on air. air. Yeah, okay. I, I know I'd told it before. I didn't know if I'd told it on air, so I figure I'd go ahead and I knew it was a tangent, but. That was, I never remember I said, when we tell these on air and <laughs> I can't keep track any. I've been hitting the head way too much to be able to keep track of every story I tell. You guys got to tell me if you've heard it before or not. But um, yeah, that was that was really my big set growing up. Was was the uh, Super Friends Superpower set? I'm gonna I'm gonna veer slightly back into wrestling a bit. But did you guys ever have the the muscle figures? Yeah, I, I had a bunch of those. And they had like a ring in it. There's there's actually a manga that those are based off, and Terry Funk actually has a, a character in that. <laughs> but yeah, I remember those. I didn't realize as a kid those were wrestling related, but I guess you could get like a ring and there was like a championship belt you could get and everything. And now there's like a million different versions of muscle figures. They made Masters of the Universe ones. They've made WWE ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't have wrestling figures growing up because my mom didn't like wrestling, honestly still doesn't. The happiest thing about my wrestling career for her is the fact that I quit. So uh, that's um, that's that's what, uh, yeah, I, so I didn't have any of them growing up. You didn't even have like one of those pillow buddies or whatever they were called? Nope, nope, I wrestling did not have one of them. I didn't have the originals. I had a WCW one, and then I had to like pull the voice box out because if you, like, if you even slightly jarred what it was touching, <coughs> it would start talking. Yeah. Yeah. Can I steer us back to uh, to a superhero related one? Go for it. Yes. It, it's actually because uh, because of what Chad mentioned. Um, I think i had like maybe a handful of those toys i didn't have many of them but i had way more of the marvel secret wars line did you guys have any of those yep i had wolverine kang captain america dr octopus yeah looking at this i think i had like most of them um the only ones i didn't have i didn't have spider-man in red and blue but i had the chase of spider-man in the black costume um i didn't have daredevil or falcon or hobgoblin or any of the foreign releases, but I had uh, I had like all of the other ones, mm-hmm. and I loved them. I played with them a lot. I never had those. Didn't they have some like absurdly like obscure characters in that line? Uh, I mean, I don't. Yeah, think they, so. like it wasn't like a mainstream Marvel line. It was kind of like a very spotty line. Like, wasn't like Constrictor like a character, like one of the ones they released in that and all that? They did, but that was yeah. a, that was like a foreign release, so he wasn't uh, very prevalent in America. But they did do um, they did a Baron Zemo, and he was actually like probably one of my favorite ones. Hmm. I, I had oh, the yeah, Iron the Man Baron Zemo. I remember having the Iron Man, but that's all I had. I think my first real Marvel ones, they weren't the first X-Men set. There was like one that had like it had like a silver surfer in it and like his um surfboard you like pulled him back and he would like it would roll. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think there was like a cap with like a shooting shield, but I don't remember what those were called. Those, those are the, those are the Marvel superheroes from Toy Biz with the gray uh, card back. Yeah, I remember. Okay, yeah, yeah. Those are yep, the, the Hulk had the pipe that he would bend and the rock that he could crush. Yeah. But then I think um, I'm trying to think of the first wrestling toys I had. I think it was probably some like mid 90s WWF stuff and those were really crappy like it was whatever came after Hasbro that was like the, the early uh, Jack, Jack stuff. Bone punching figures yeah those are terrible <laughs> yeah the, the especially the first few waves because I think I got them with like a mega pack from like Sam's or something I think it was old enough that Rock was like Rocky Maivia, like his smiling baby face Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was definitely in the line as Rocky Maivia. I think I might have had um, uh, Rikishi as the Sultan. There was a Sultan. It was, yeah, uh, it was a Sultan and Bob Backlund two-pack. Wow. Sultan, I haven't thought about that gimmick in a long time. No kidding. (laughs) There's a reason for that. Yeah, that was terrible. We all know that the best wrestling line was uh, WWF Maximum Sweat. Which was supposed to be like Maximum <laughs> Blood, but they were not allowed to do the blood, so instead we get a bunch of pretend sweaty wrestlers. That reminds yeah. me of this This came up through the collar and elbow stuff here recently. But Chris, your thoughts on the Al Snow with the head debacle thing that happened? Completely ridiculous. Just to expand on it, kid, let's if if we've got listeners that aren't familiar with it, do so you kind of expanding on it. Yeah, so Al Snow, Al Snow's uh, gimmick, which became a big cult deal in the late '90s, was that he was slowly going insane over his treatment in the industry and started confiding his thoughts to a mannequin head, aptly named Head, and he would carry it to the ring, and the rather risque chant would be, uh, "We want Head." And they decided to release an Al Snow figure with head because that was his accessory. That was his trademark. And a mother saw this in a Walmart store and complained. Uh, you know, and this is 20 years before cancel culture was a thing, but she was apparently at the forefront of it and decided that this depicted this dastardly wrestler with a decapitated woman's head and it should be pulled from shelves immediately. And sure enough, it was because it was much ado about nothing, but. You know, customers always write and they listen to the complaints. And for a while, it kind of created this uh, rarity based on controversy. And it eventually faded away and the price eventually came down. And many more Al Snow figures were since released after that. But for a time in 1999, Al Snow was the bane of the action figure world for daring to have a mannequin head as part of his gimmick. Let me see. That was incidentally... The woman that started this was an assistant professor of communications at Kennesaw State. And she couldn't stop long enough to read what it was. Well, I mean, I've learned if I've learned one thing from my job is people in the communications department at almost any like other business I've had to deal with are the worst communicators I've ever dealt with. Crazy, isn't it? Yes. I have a- I was going to say I would have responded by releasing Al Snow and Steve Blackman as a two pack with Chester Cheeserton that they could then like. 
no, we, you, need the, you need the Al Snow uh, Big Boss Man two pack with Pepper. Yep. <laughs> no, you know what I want? I want the I want the the hearse combo with Big Boss Man. Oh, Big, and Big Show. It is dad where he could drag Big Show with the casket along. Fantastic. <laughs> I still I still laugh at that. Like it's, it's been twenty years it's, now. Yeah, it's patently absurd. But uh, it's I have a friend, he works in the IT department at a university and his statement. We were talking at some point and I said, these people are professors. You'd expect that they would be able to put a little bit together on something like this. Right. He goes, no, you don't understand. We're dealing with college professors. These are not smart people. (laughs) Just like. You do the more than I do. So is that is that figure that got pulled like rare or anything or did they like finally like release it back into the wild? Oh no, they, they, yeah, they they re-released it. it. It went back out into the wild. Yeah, it's not rare at all. I think I remember that. I I hadn't thought about that in a long time. So what would you Okay, so let's let's uh let's let's uh let's end this on a final topic. So we're going to go back into the wrestling, namely the WWE lines. What would you say is the best, like, of the, we'll say 2000 onward, like, w, what is the best WWE line from 2002 today, and what is the worst? I mean, I'm going to go with the Jax Classic Superstars. I just think that that was just such an insanely good line, and it was the first time we were seeing so many characters done. And just the way they did the assortments and just the depth of that roster, it's something that Mattel has yet to match, despite the fact that they've made you know so many more toys and have so much more of a presence at retail. Uh, just you know, so many of those cult favorite characters were there. And as far as the worst ones, I mean, those zombies, those monsters, those maximum sweat, uh, anything that we've mentioned that starts with M, you know, take your pick. We've mentioned quite a few of the bombs here tonight so yeah you know any of those really wacky offshoot lines that have nothing to do with the actual uh, in-ring or the you know original star you know without warping them in some way uh you know there's really you know i don't see the need for them but that's just my take on it what did the maximum sweat ones do were they just wet they were like very grotesquely made almost um I'm trying to think of what they were supposed to be like. There was like a, a similar style figure around the time in the late 90s, but they were very compact. They almost all looked like they were walking on their knees and, uh, you know, really bulging muscles and, you know, really, um, you know, grotesque faces and stuff like that. They almost look like wrestling figure versions of the Land of Confusion puppets. Oh, wow. God. And you would. That's put- terrible. And you would put like this little plastic syringe thing into them and squeeze water into it, and they would leak water as if they were sweating. Who thought this was a good idea? Uh, whoever originally wanted to do it wanted them to leak blood from every orifice in their body, but apparently they thought that you know having a kid with a toy that would shit blood probably wasn't the best way to spend his playtime after school. So was this was this as big a debacle as um 
2K20 seems to be because I just um no because they actually made like four sets of maximum sweat figures. Ew. That was in that time period when it was like everything that was wrestling related was selling. Yes. Like, it, it was it was wild. Did you guys see the latest uh, 2K20 debacle? Yeah. I, I've seen stuff, I've seen designs. Yeah. Oh. yeah. This this is this isn't this isn't like design related. This is like I guess there was like a SmackDown 20th anniversary collector's edition that was supposed to have like a signed edge picture. Mm-hmm. Oh. And a bunch of people got pictures that were not signed. No, I hadn't heard that one. Because Edge actually responded and said, like, look, I'm going to set up a P.O. box when I'm done with this movie, like, and I will get this, like, fixed for you guys. That's that's a that's a real stand-up move on his part, but... God. No, the last, the last thing I saw... Um, the last thing I saw game design related to 2K20 involves Charlotte and a referee doing something that might have been vaguely pornographic to each other. In yeah, play. I saw that too. That was um, a figure eight bridging into a figure 69. Well, it wouldn't have been so bad if the referee didn't look like he was like, if the referee's like graphics were also shifting, making it look like he was like also humping her in the face while she was doing. Yeah. It yeah. That's, that's, it's on Reddit. It's not hard to find, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I saw that too. That was. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad I didn't see that at work because I wouldn't want to try and explain that to anybody. Yeah, and I think before we go, I think we need to give a quick shout out to the Remco AWA toys, which are surprisingly awesome. Oh, great toys! They were pretty much just He-Man first. toys. Yeah. I always would like to collect those, but I think those are fairly. Some of those are fairly expensive. I think the Road Warriors are. There's actually a, a a toy dealer who goes around to like old warehouses and storage units and stuff like that, and he just came across like a bunch of cases of them still sealed. What? Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's that guy, Zombie Sailor Toys, on Instagram. And uh, he basically, so basically what he does is what my boss used to do before we became a full-fledged toy company, but he goes around to like all like these different like factories and warehouses or, you know, distribution centers and, you know, store closeouts and stuff like that. And he manages to find, you know, sealed cases of the randomest things and he sells them primarily on Instagram, but he's found like sealed cases of American gladiators, like some sealed masters of the universe stuff. And his most recent big thing was that he found something like 30 cases of sealed AWA figures. Wow. That guy's going to make a lot off those. Oh yeah. I can actually, uh, let me see if I can pull them up and I'll just give you some, uh, insight as to how much he was charging and what he made. There's actually a, there's actually a warehouse in Texas that you can still buy um, sealed ColecoVision <laughs> games and accessories from. How much are they charging? Um, actually, they're still. I think the games are like twenty bucks, and um, the accessories are like seventy five dollars. Like for some of the stuff they have, it's actually cheaper to buy from them. It's just a pain in the butt because you literally have to like call them old school style to do it because like they've had this stuff since the 80s gotcha 
So, okay, so the Road Warriors and Ellering three pack sold by this guy. Let's see. Please note these are 35 years old. The packaging has some wear, such as dings, dents, staining, blemishes, etc. I'll send you photos of the exact one you're getting so you know what it will look like. Two different price points. Good packaging, $200. Better packaging, $275. That's actually... I, I don't... I wouldn't pay that, but that's probably reasonable for what those are. I would expect and, like uh, 300 plus for those. He did the same thing for the Flair and Zabisco set. Uh, let's see... Uh, AEW Thumb Wrestlers, $23, or get all three for $60. But those were just like basically like the little like upper bodies and heads. Yeah. Uh, the AWA Toy Plastic Belt, uh, good condition uh, packaging, $250. Better condition packaging, $350. So... Just a question, and any of you can answer that. When this guy found that, how much of a hard-on do you think he had about all the money he was going to rake in for this? I mean, just from Zack Ryder Hawkins alone, he probably made a ton. I was going to say... He probably has them on... I was going to say, he's probably probably in the uh, call your doctor if it lasts more than four hours stage. (laughs) He, He probably has them on speed dial. He's probably like, hey, guys, I got your hookup right here. Apparently tomorrow he's revealing his latest find, which is apparently sealed cases of Waterworld figures. Man, well, if I, if I had Zach, uh, that feels underwhelming, right? I mean... As, as much as the movie was, Shed. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I, I would be excited about it just for how awful it is. But I mean, I, I tend to enjoy like awful things, so. Well, Chris, I, I appreciate you coming on because like I said, I you are you it's you are an expert in this since, you know, you've been doing the action figure toy company thing for a while. And I think we can I think we can rightfully credit you with destroying wrestling a couple years ago <laughs> and possibly again in the future. You know, I just want you to know that when that story was going on, there was a lot of message boards I was on where I was just where people were theorizing what like made them go on the warpath. And I was just like, oh, I wonder too. like pretend like I don't know anything like just playing all the conspiracy theories. Yeah, because I think I think we were sworn to secrecy when that was going on by you. And I kept that promise pretty good. But I appreciate I'm glad you can tell. I'm glad you can tell that story now. And I do. I was going to say, and I didn't say it at the time. I kind of think you might have led to evolve in WWE kind of partnering up as a way to freeze ring of honor out. Like, I think that might have directly led to that event. No, uh, very much so. I've I've heard that from a couple of different people that that was one of their ways of trying to get a foothold on the indies and but you know what? People being involved doesn't stop them from getting merchandise with me because I've talked with and dealt with people uh, in Evolve in the past and presently. And it basically is just a way to block them from being on someone else's television. Do you have um? Do you have a Jeff Cobb coming out or anything? 
Uh, Jeff Cobb is already out right now. Uh, he's in the Rising Star set, and there will be a variant version of Jeff Cobb coming out in the next line of Ring of Honor figures. I might have to get that one. Yep, great figure of a great guy. Jeff is the man. Does your PCO figure explode like a crash test dummy? <laughs> we'll find out when it comes out, but right now we're just making the standard version. I don't think we have the uh, mechanism to make it into a blow-apart. What was the... Uh, he-Man guy, Blast Attack, the He-Man guy, he, would, he was like the time bomb villain, and his whole thing was that his body would blow in, in half. I don't think I had that one. He was towards the end. He was like, uh, he looked like a cyborg. He was like gold and gray. I think the last ones I got is when they did like the, um, like Hordak and like his minions and the Shiro line. I think that's really like the last ones I ever got. Yeah, Blast Attack was like the wave after that, or two waves after that. I remember Crash Test Dummies blowing apart like that, but... Yeah, because I always wanted the evil Crash Test Dummies. <laughs> remember when they made them a thing? Yeah. Yep. They, they Remember they made, a, they made a TV show, too. Yep. Yeah, I think that was computer they, animated. Yeah, I they remember like a the, very short-lived show. I remember the NES game, too, where the controls were so bad that... Maybe it was Super NES, but your inputs... We're not taking his controls. They were taking his mere suggestions as to what the character on the screen ought to do. What were they commercial for? Like, who who did the crash test dummies belong to initially? Because I remember the commercials vaguely as a kid. I, th I think it was supposed to be to get people to wear their seatbelts. Yeah, oh, I think you're right. I, I was thinking maybe it was an insurance company that came up with them. But National Highway Safety or something like that. Oh, okay. I thought maybe it was like those stupid Geico cavemen that they did a sitcom <laughs> for. Which lasted like three episodes. It lasted that long? I'm shocked. Yeah, it lasted for a couple they might have ordered months. three episodes, but only the pilot aired or something like that. I think you might be right. I well, they just brought those back, actually. I've I seen like... I swore it was more than because well, I actually had the pilot episode on my work computer at one point, and it was terrible. Uh, let's see. I know we need to have you back when we do our bad sitcoms show because that's also what you're an expert in. <laughs> it is. And if that was a knock on my favorite show of all time, curses on you. No, we actually you came up because someone brought up tattooed teenage fighters from Beverly Hills and that had to lead that you're probably like the only person on this world that saw that. I, I do the whole run. Uh, Cavemen aired on ABC from October 2nd to November 13th, 2007. So how it lasted that long. Yep. So it was actually more than three episodes. Wow. Wow. I can't believe that lasted that long. No kidding. They uh, they aired six of the thirteen. So it didn't eclipse Firefly. I'm good with that. All right, guys. Wow. I think I think I, think I need to go drink now. Yeah. I think we've about run this uh, course as far as we can take it. So we want to say thank. you. Well, all. I mean, I mean, we we just we just had like a five minute conversation about the caveman show. So I think we just took this train and crashed it into a bus yeah. full of children. I've been, I was trying to hop I in so we could to tattoo teenage alien fighters from Beverly Hills. Uh, from Beverly Hills, I was trying to trying to like slot in so I could I could take us home. But uh, listen, uh, Chris, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, joining us. 
And we wanted to we want to hear from all of you all out there. Hit us up on our social media. Figures you'd like. What would you like to see? What could you tell Chris? You know, I think there'd be a huge market for all that kind of stuff. Put it on our social media, not his. We don't really want to harass him that much. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't you, you dare go to at Figures Toy Co. on Twitter. <laughs> R-E-S underscore Superstore on Twitter. Or don't you dare look for Figures Toy Company by the company name on Facebook and Instagram. Don't do any of that. And don't you dare spend money on there. Or my face on a figure, right? That's right. Yep, yeah. my face on a figure is another subsidiary of Figures Toy Company, uh, which is run by my boss's son. And you yourself could be an action figure of any type, shape, or size you would like, because we do customizable full figures. We do customizable heads that you can put on your wrestlers or GI Joes or Star Wars or whatever your collecting habit may be. We can help customize you to be your very own hero of your collection. All right. See, it's pretty pretty good setup, right? We want it to was, say yeah. thank you all for joining us. Um, this is Shad with Matt and Brad and Chris. Thank you all for joining us. We've been in the corners. You all jump in, and we'll see you next time.